So, it's funny because I have this uh, overwhelming anxiety that makes me plan out conversations in my head, whether there is any likelihood in any reality for those conversations to even happen. And it makes doing this easier. Um, because everything on here is unscripted. It's just a stream of consciousness. It's just me talking to you. And when I say you, I know I'm talking to an audience of either people I don't know or people I do, but I put it in the context of talking to a dead guy. <laughs> because that dead guy was safe. He's always been safe and uh, always had my best interest at heart um, and quite a heart he had but I, I think about how to how to explain things like how I grew up and how I came to be who I am and I guess what I am and uh, the people that have brought me here and one of the things I should probably address is that the anonymity of those in my life as well as myself is highly valued because my name is not as important as who I am uh, my name changes on a regular basis. I <laughs> have many names. And I choose to protect the people that I do talk about. Um, because they didn't sign up for this. I did. But if you were to know the root of me and my name, then you would be able to decipher who they are, and that's not fair. Um, but, um, you can take that protection of person in regard to the people of my life, um, and attach it to yourself as well because you know that what's said here what's shared here is just as personal and just as sacred um, whether you are someone who I have known since childhood or someone I have just met because in the kitchen is sacred ground it is we don't break oaths here. That would be a violation of guest right. And if you know anything of guest right, 
you know that uh, breaking it is to commit blaspheme of the highest order. Um, and I just don't have time for that kind of karma. <laughs> so, understand. If you share your stories with me, or your questions, or your uh, brain vomit, whatever it is that you share here stays here. I don't, I don't need to share your name. That's not relevant. That's, you're sharing a piece of who you are. You can call yourself grape jelly for all of me. I'm going to respect you and your story and your trust with all that I am because that's just what we do. We don't, uh, we don't take those things lightly. So, with that out of the way, uh, we'll talk about one of the harder things in my collection of things to uh, address. I have in no uncertain terms addressed my drug history. Um, I do not in any way, shape, or form condone or uh, condemn the use of drugs because it is not my place to tell another person what to do with their bodies and their chemicals and their state of mind. I have three children, and I have one of them is an adult, and the discussions I have had with her are pretty much what I'll have here. It is a choice that you make, and you have to be just as mindful about the company you're in as the chemical you're consuming and how you're consuming it, and... What you take away from that can be amazing, but it can also be traumatizing. Um, and that goes for anything that you get your hands on. Um, and I will be absolutely honest that I became uh, addicted to um, very hard drugs that were, um, that are, <laughs> that are and continue to be a big problem, um, because I didn't want to go to sleep. I didn't want to continue to have the nightmares. I didn't want to dream about the things that I had in my hands and let slip away. And I didn't want to dream about the things that caused me pain, that hurt me, and that continued to hurt me when I closed my eyes because I, I had not dealt with any of my demons because it was so much easier to just let them 
take up space in my head. And I had very little ability to just be angry. My family, for the most part, was kept out of the loop of most of my uh, childhood trauma that didn't come from being in the house. So they didn't know about being assaulted as a young child. They, I kept that, I kept that because, um, the person who, uh, used me and hurt me made it, um, made it scary for me to talk about it. And so I didn't. And then when I came to an age where, you know, you, the normal age that parents talk to young girls about how they should be treated by uh, other people and what's appropriate and what's not, which is somewhere between the age of five and six, usually about school age. Um, This has happened to me before that conversation. Um, And so... When, when that conversation happened, I just let it ride because I felt like I had done something wrong um, by not talking to my parents and by not letting them know. And, you know, it's not like you can push your mind, right? <laughs> anyway, um, I found comfort and I found solace in the ability to not feel anything and to be superhuman in those moments where the uh, the drugs hit and it was with all knowledge that this was temporary that it was a manufactured feeling and I didn't care at the time. I got really good at doing what I was doing and I got really bad into the world that lives there in the underbelly of everything. But I was comfortable. I could sit between murderers and drug dealers and hold my own because I took no shit. <laughs> it was uh it was a incredible time of learning mostly about where my real core boundaries are because as far down as I got into that beast and as much of a chokehold as it had on me I never lied and I never cheated and I never stole and 
It's a stupid thing to take pride in, but I did. Because at, at my worst, I was able to maintain a code of ethics that had been ingrained in me. There is nothing so important as who you are when no one's watching. And I maintained that even, even when the only thing that mattered to me was where I would get my next fix. It was never how, because I could actually get my needs met for free most of the time. Um, I got very good at uh, befriending the right people and that was my undoing um, there was one point in time where I was awake for 18 days um, to the point where I was uh, nodding off and wake making myself wake up like I would have those moments where you your head dips down and you you twitch yourself awake like you your body is freaked out because you know you were doing something I knew I was doing something but I would often find myself not remembering what I was doing because after that long your your brain and your body are so taxed and so tired and so done that um, you don't have a choice but to shut down and you might be awake but you're not really there and it didn't take long after that for me to realize that I was uh, I was in trouble it took a little while longer for me to realize I was in enough trouble that I needed to walk away or I would be swallowed whole by a beast that I could not get away from. Up until that point, I was consuming by inhalation and after that, I was consuming by injection. Um... And I was scaring people who had been using for many, many years because I was on a mission to die. Um, not to get too graphic, but I was using a whole lot frequently and, um, obviously, directly, and, uh, it, it, it got really, really bad, um, there was, uh, one time where I was trying to make what, my way to someone else's house, because I needed to be somewhere else, and, um, 
I caught a ride with some guys who were at the gas station I was uh, standing in front of trying to get a hold of someone I knew and they offered to give me a ride and um, I was so far gone in my head that I thought I would be fine and I was not um, they asked me where I was headed I told them where I was headed they started driving there and I was assaulted uh, by by two of the guys in the back seat and they uh, they dropped me off where I had asked to be dropped off but it was more humiliating that I um, I didn't feel safe contacting the police because I was gacked out and I was headed somewhere to sober up <laughs> uh, or find another score and I, I, I had been foolish enough to get in a car with someone I didn't know with poor someone's I didn't know and um so I felt like I had put myself in that position um and there there are very few things that can be as dramatic for someone who gets used to a certain type of um abuse we uh we have a tendency to blame ourselves and justify the behavior by thinking of all of the things we could have done different. And that is a travesty. But I, um, it took me a little while, obviously, to get over that event, and I still didn't make it to where I was going. I ended up um, in the psych ward because I went into a state of mind that was kind of the kind of a disassociation, but way more long term. And um, I had self harmed to the point that I uh, I lost too much blood, so. I had to go to the county and get uh, get fixed up there and when they said are you a danger to yourself or others I said um, obviously yes so they put me in the whack house <laughs> I went to the loony bin and uh, spent three days there and they said we can't help you. And literally had me pack my shit up and walk out the door. And this was a point in time where there was nothing. No, no public transit at, in the part of town where I was at. Now there is, but not then. And, uh... 
I had to figure out how to get from one point to another. And I was terrified, so I walked. Um, a lot. And I, uh, I, I, I realized during that walk that, um, all the people that really loved me, I had pushed so far away because I didn't want them to see me in that state. I didn't want them to know me as this crippled junkie that I didn't want them to to be hurt by my own self-destruction. So I had isolated myself to the point that I couldn't even call a friend to come and pick me up from the psych ward. <laughs> and that's sad. So my um, experience with being an addict um, has been a double-edged sword, mostly bad, with some very particular life experiences that I am grateful for. I have seen the worst of people, and I have seen some of the best in people. And when you have absolutely nothing, when you are at your lowest point, and you can still reach your hand out to help someone else. Um, that's, that's kind of magical. And it is a testament to humanity. Um, I also, like I said, saw the worst. I had people steal an entire... <laughs> an entire storage unit of my stuff. Things that were so important to me that I had held on to them since childhood and important enough to me to have a storage unit when I didn't even have a house, an apartment, a box to live in. And uh, people took advantage of me and uh, took it. And they sold what they couldn't use, didn't want to use, and they... Uh, They, they took everything that was important that I, I had with me. And um, it wasn't very long after that that I, uh, I got out. I was wrapped in a blanket. I didn't even have a pair of shoes. And I remembered an address. And I was close. And I took a shot. <laughs> and I was right. Um, it was my aunt's house. And she, uh, she let me in. She knew what was going on. She knew where I was, what had happened. And... I guess she took pity on me 
but because of the state of mind I was in, I helped her survive for a while. Because when her abusive shithead boyfriend tried to beat the hell out of her again, I got between him and her, and he pushed my, me up against the refrigerator. And I told him that he'd better kill me, because if he didn't, I was going to put his internal organs in Ziploc bags while he slept. And very shortly after that, he found his way out the door. Because there is nothing quite as scary as someone who is significantly smaller than you and has no fear because I was past fear. I just hurt like hell. And, uh, yeah, I, I scared a six foot seven, 355 pound former uh, not pro, uh, not pro football player, but somebody who's trying to be college football player, though. And, uh, yeah, I saved my aunt's life. Um, but, uh, the complexities, complexities of that are probably for a different episode. Because sometimes when we ride through hell and we make it out, we cannot help but turn that bus around and drive back through just to make sure you didn't forget anything. Anyway. That's where we are. Trying to get sober trying to be okay when absolutely nothing feels okay.